Hello friends, welcome to or welcome back to A Runner's Life podcast. In this episode, I speak with George Sweening. George recently completed the Valencia Marathon in 2022 in 2 hours, 26 minutes and 28 seconds, placing her 7th on the all-time UK women's marathon rankings. Since her debut performance of 258.23 in 2017, she's completed 14 marathons, including her 11th place at the Commonwealth Games for England and Birmingham in 2022. It's been a remarkable progression, achieved without a coach whilst working full-time and without ever training on the track. While she's a marathon specialist now, she's come from being an ex-international duathlete. For those that don't know, that's where you run, bike, run. She may come back to duathlon in the future, but right now she's focusing more on the marathon distance. And in this conversation, we talk about that race in Valencia, talk about some of her training principles. We discuss how she learned through adversity, through some challenges that she's faced in her training. Plus we cover some other interesting topics. Before we get into the conversation, thank you to Saw for sponsoring this episode. You can get 15% off your Saw running orders up until the end of May 2023. You can use code MARKERS15. I say this every episode. Thank you to the patrons and everyone that supports and shares the podcast. It means a lot to me and I appreciate your support. And with that being said, let's head to the conversation with George. Hi, George. Welcome to A Runner's Life podcast. How are you doing? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm very good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. The first question I always ask my guests is, what does a runner's life mean to you? It's a very difficult question to answer because it, well, running to me means so much. So it's difficult to sum it up. I can't really separate running from my life. You know, it's a big part of what I do. Yeah, and the reasons I run are like, there are so many different reasons why I run. I run for, for my health, for my um, you know, mental health, my physical health, you know, I run as an outlet. Yeah, it's, I, I'm totally lost without running. That makes a lot of sense. So just be interested to talk about what your first memories of running looked like. I started running at primary school. So there was um, a triathlon uh, outreach program run by um, Cambridge Sport Lakes. So they came, we had triathlon coaches that came into primary schools. So I really got into running kind of in a more I suppose formal sense of kind of racing and competition through that at primary school but I think probably my first memories of running not in kind of a formal setting was like playing tag at school and because I used to do lots of swimming and cycling I was quite fit so my strategy for the tag at school was always just to run as far as I possibly could as fast as I possibly could couldn't do all like the dodging and the weaving to not get tagged I just tried to run as far as I could and everyone just gave up um so, yeah it was probably one of my earliest memories of running I love that bolt off and they're like a straight line <laughs> as fast as you can you can't catch me <laughs> you know from an early age it was really important you know for my parents that me and my siblings we were always you know active outside and I suppose it started from cycling so in Cambridge where I grew up like cycling to school and cycling to get around was really popular and really common and very accessible in Cambridge so I suppose we started by cycling to school and I think it kind of built up that you know this resilience in you so you know like when it's cold and it's wet and you're tired it's that whole idea that actually you can get out there and still do it and you just sort of yeah you just become really resilient to those kind of challenges and to the point that they don't even seem like challenges, you just they're just the norm. It's like, oh, we cycle to school every day. It doesn't you know, come rain or shine. That's just what we do. And I think that creates a really good foundation for then doing, you know, 
more formal like sports later because you're used to that kind of feeling of oh it's a bit difficult but it's fine I've done something like this before it all works out in the end (laughs) you know okay you know just press on yeah so that environment really creates you know really allows you to sort of push yourself when things are getting getting a bit tough that's really interesting to hear that because if you're not nurtured early on there's so many people probably can get lost might not find the sport because obviously the they weren't encouraged to do it so it's really encouraging to hear from your side as well yeah I feel very lucky that I had that environment growing up because I think if you come to sport later it is it is harder you know particularly if you're battling some of those like bad PE memories you know so many people have bad memories of doing PE at school and that kind of definitely seems to influence people's relationship with with sport and being active those early times are really crucial for kind of creating that healthy that healthy attitude towards being active um yeah I was just very very fortunate to never really look at being active as a negative yeah yeah that makes sense you're a beginner or your experience like the marathon requires so much from us and I almost feel like sometimes the marathon almost kills off more runners <laughs> than it should to be honest because they kind of lose a love for it and then kind of don't think about any of the other events or just maybe just running for for fun and or just enjoyment really yeah I mean the marathon is just it's just so tough it's tough if it goes well and it's insanely tough if it goes wrong and one bad marathon is enough to put someone off like that's completely understandable and I think the marathon is definitely not the be all and end all in running but I think also it's people want to have a go at it because it is kind of it's so like the thought of it is so kind of inspiring like running a marathon is just yeah it is the ultimate goal I don't think there's anything there's no shame in people wanting to you know you know do that as their first you know main their first kind of running event it's just having that appreciation for how tough it can be if it goes wrong yeah like it's it's not a joke absolutely not to be honest I was just thinking, like, bar the marathon distance, are there any other distances or events that you enjoy to run? I don't do the park run that often, but when I do, I'm quite always amazed how uh, quickly it's over. And I think, oh, you know, why am I doing the marathon? I could be doing something that has a lot less time. Because the difference between my 5K pace and my marathon pace is there's really not much in it. So I could just be, <laughs> just be hurting for a lot less yeah so there are lots of running distances I enjoy and I think I think my kind of my stride and my running style lends itself to longer distances I'm not I don't really have the stride length the knee lift to do like any shorter distances particularly fast so I kind of yeah it's not that I don't enjoy the shorter distances I just focus on the longer distance and then it does then limit how min how much kind of other racing I can do throughout the year because it's just you know the marathon is just all all consuming so I think if I wasn't doing the marathon I'd, I'd probably do the half marathon which <laughs> maybe I'll come back to the to the 5k in the future but if that feels like the wrong direction to move in I think you meant to get longer as you get older <laughs> that's so true because I sort of feel a similar way I feel like I'm not sure I've got the speed at the short distances but I'm quick-ish at the longer distances and it feels like my marathon pace is or is roughly just slightly quicker at the short distances you're just like maybe I should have done this or even if you think of something like cross country I feel like it's exactly the same it just hurts or like 
you know, like how long it is. It's not very long, to be honest. Um, just under five miles, depending on the course and stuff. You're just like, why? Why am I doing this for a marathon, to be honest? <laughs> I could just hurt for just like have it over with like half an hour. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Uh, it is scary when you're fit. How close like your shorter distance paces are to your marathon pace. It's quite scary. Can you talk about your journey to the marathon? Just in context of what we we're talking about before, in terms of just maybe the build-up that people don't always appreciate. People to see where you are now, the, the Valencia result, which we're going to get onto. But can you talk a little bit about the journey from starting out, leading up to taking part in the marathon? Actually competing in the marathon rather than taking part. No, no, I don't take part. <laughs> so I suppose, I think, so everything that you've, like, basically from the kind of the day you start running around, you're starting to shape your, you know, your potential and your ability to you know do your best marathon performance but yeah so I suppose I started running a bit in primary school and then yeah I got into duathlon and competed at duathlon for quite a few years um so duathlon for anyone who doesn't know is run bike run and I kind of did sprint distances and olympic distances so an olympic distance race takes about two hours so it's yeah a bit shorter than the marathon but yeah so I competed in duathlon and then um kind of I always enjoyed kind of that feeling of you know with running of pushing the distances and pushing the paces in training and I think yeah I just I just kind of slowly moved towards the marathon and thought I just I just want to see see where I can go with this so yeah I did my first marathon in 2017 um so I intentionally chose a really hot marathon so it was in June in Normandy in France on a really hilly course with beach sections and all sorts of yeah it was it's an amazing course um so it's called the Caen Marathon so it's the weekend it's like the anniversary of the D-Day landing so it's near the beaches and yeah so I did that and I knew because it was my first one I thought I want to pace it well but I also kind of want worst case scenario. So I'm really bad conditions, really hard course. And then the next marathon I do will feel so much better. So yeah, I think I snuck in just under three hours. And it was like, it was just the hotter. It was, I think it was something like 90% humidity. It was just awful. But I did that and I finished and I still wanted to do another one. So I thought, oh, maybe I found the event that, um, you know, that I, I like. So if, if after that, I still want to do another one, it must, it must be good. Yeah. So then I suppose from that point on, I did kind of start looking at, yeah, kind of where I could go and um, how fast I might be able to go, but never kind of looking too far into the future. It was always just like, okay, next one, I want to take a couple of minutes off. Next one, take a couple of minutes off. So yeah. and then. That kind of got me to Valencia in December, just uh, slowly chipping away at my time. Yeah, and you've run Valencia four times, and this is not a serious question, but what do you make of the carpet at the end? To be honest, the carpet doesn't register with me. It's the, there's like a really steep ramp down from, it's like the course is, you know, on the road, and then the finish line is like at the bottom of a riverbed. So about like 41k or like 41 and a half k there's a steep ramp that's like a man-made ramp down to the riverbed from the road and that oh my goodness like I almost every year I think that is gonna take me out I'm gonna fall over you know your quads are completely destroyed and then there's a steep ramp you've got to go down but so far I've made it down um onto the carpet yeah it's very blue that's 
thing I can, that, that comes to mind when I think of that. Um, That's a good point, actually, because I forgot about that. You've got the ramp, which, again, is just that, that weird angle. You've come off the road, and it's just, like, kind of bouncing slightly. Then you go into the carpet, and for me, it feels it's, like, slightly spongy, and it's just the weirdest sensation towards the end of the math. And I'm expecting like a sprint finish. And I'm like, I'm sure it's just taking like two seconds or something off my, my time. That's what I tell myself anyways. <laughs> yeah, no, it is a bit springy. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not really, th- I don't think I really think at that point. Uh, yeah. I bet you the next time, the fifth time, you're going to think about it now. <laughs> you're sort of like, How does this feel underfoot? <laughs> if that is what I'm worrying about on the start line, that's a very good thing to be worrying about. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So getting on to Valencia, you've run it four times, progressed from 242 to 226. And obviously this is over a period of time. Can you talk a little bit about how you made that drop and then made that improvement? Yeah. So I suppose, uh, what's that? Five, is it five years or something worth of work? So I suppose the most important thing is in terms of how I've got there is first acknowledging that improvements in the marathon at least for me, don't seem to happen overnight. You know, it's a it's a gradual process. And I think that that is a combination of kind of who I am as a runner, but also my kind of attitude of like I'm quite risk averse. So if I'm gonna put in a lot of work for something, I'll kind of yeah, do it in the lowest risk way I can. So my training kind of reflects that strategy. So I suppose I, I always, whatever year I've I've done Valencia, I've always built up very gradually to my um, my marathon training blocks. But I suppose, you know, I haven't really done anything differently with each block. You know, kind of from a principal's point of view, I've always, you know, mapped out my build kind of, I don't know, three months before or something. I'll, you know, sit down and think, okay, where do I want to be in three months time? And then map out um, from a training point of view, you know what those 12 weeks are going to look like and then yeah so I create my plan I suppose each time the plan has looked a bit different because um his <laughs> spoiler is that you've got to um you know you've got to train harder to go faster you know that you can't get away from that you have got to do something you know change something to you know you're not just going to go faster by doing the same training over and over again like that's just that just doesn't work you have to accept you're going to have to do a bit more, um, either go faster or further to get a faster time. That's if you've always used your optimal pacing strategy. So if in every race, you always pace it really well, if you want to go faster the next time, you've, you've got to come in with, you know, fitter. So I suppose with each training block, it's thinking, okay, what did I do last time? And what can I change to help me go fitter, be fitter for next time? And at the same time, looking at that risk reward relationship of okay you know if I you know accepting that at some point that relationship is probably going to tip in the a direction that I'm not necessarily that comfortable with but running a PB is you know as you're getting towards kind of the fastest you'll probably ever go it is uncomfortable so yeah at some point I'm going to have to accept that that the risk is probably you know slightly in the wrong direction for me but I've got to go there you know to, to get the PB so yeah, I suppose the the progression has kind of all come from that approach. And I'd say also I've I've had to be more focused as time as as you know each time I run, um you know as you're getting towards your limit, you do have to be more focused and think more carefully that there you know the margin for error is not 
as big as you're getting towards your limit. Whereas, you know, when you're just starting out, actually, you know, you, you can afford to, you probably will go faster. Even if you make a few mistakes, you probably will go faster than you went last time. Whereas you're getting towards your limit, actually, uh, yeah, you can't make as many mistakes or, um, yeah, your, your time is potentially down the drain. So, yeah, I think I've just, I've just kind of worked with those kind of principles to get, get faster. Yeah, that's fair. And I think you mentioned there that you're self-coach. Same for me, I'm self-coached. And one of the challenges that I have being self-coach is how to be objective in the sense of not going too hard and obviously not letting yourself off the hook. So I guess one of the things I do is I have a couple of people that I, I bounce ideas off. What do you think of this? Or, you know, what do you think about this approach? But obviously it's more of a consulting type thing. How do you, you manage that process when you're self-coached to be objective, but obviously just make sure that you're not, you're in the right place? Yeah, so it's interesting. I So I suppose my starting point always would be my plan. So I'd never go into a block without a plan. That is just a recipe for disaster for me, at least, because it's very easy to get carried away because as soon as you get fit, it's really exciting and you just want to go, 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 go. And you're well, I'll get injured if I do that. So I suppose the starting point is the plan. So the plan keeps me rational. And ideally, you make the plan when, you know, you're not necessarily like, um, from a fitness point of view, you're not, not necessarily in the best place. So it's a bit like, you know, if you go shopping when you're hungry, you will just buy way too much food. It's a bit like if you do a plan when you're really, really fit, you'll, you know, you won't create a sensible plan. So yeah, starting point is creating the plan. And then I suppose in terms of kind of checking in with where you are with the plan and making sure that, you know, you're not overdoing it. Um, you know, I suppose it's, um, for me, it's kind of friends and family who I kind of just chat to. And I suppose, you know, when people know you well, they it's clear when you're like tired or, you, you know, you're slightly overdoing it. Mm. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, making sure that, you know, you're checking in with people regularly. Yeah, I suppose. And I suppose the other thing is, is, oh, it sounds really boring, but it's also like the data. So you can see, uh, you know, what kind of training you were doing at a similar point out to a previous year and you can kind of see, okay, well, I was doing that then. And I suppose it's just it's just getting as much feedback from as many places as you can that that are helpful and that help you make better decisions, whether that's data, whether it's referring to your plan, whether that's speaking to other people. You know, there are lots of places that you can get input in from and then you can kind of tie it together and hopefully make a good decision. Um, if you can't make a good decision with all of that, and I, I don't know where you're at, but that's, um, yeah how do you kind of I guess then review objectively like your race performances as well when it's just you self-coaching so I suppose going into a race I'll always have you know there's always an a plan there's a b plan and there's a c plan and if it's really bad there's a d plan um hopefully you don't have to come to that so yeah I kind of know in advance of like the times I'm going for and then like the paces I need to do and I know that doing for most courses doing a close to flat pace or very very slightly positive split is usually the the best approach so I know that if I've kind of if I've hit one of my target paces and I've done a good pacing profile 
that I can't really ask for more than that. And that's how I kind of know whether I've got the most out of myself. You ran 226, a great time, You're seventh in all time women's rankings. Can you talk a little bit about that race and, you know, some of the, the highs, the lows and everything in between? I think that was my fourth time. So yeah, I've done it. Um, I'd done it three times before. So like in terms of the actual race itself and like there weren't really any surprises, which is partly why I chose it because I know, you know, it, the fewer unknowns, the better, particularly if you get quite nervous before races. And I, I do get quite nervous because I, yeah, I don't race that often. So when I do race, I kind of put all my eggs into one basket. You know, I want to, I want to get the most out of myself and minimizing unknowns is a big part of that for me. So yeah, Valencia was a good choice from that point of view because I kind of knew, you know, knew the course and um, what to expect. And I mean, the race itself, I don't, I suppose it is, if, if, yeah, it's a cliche, but it does feel like a blur. Like I don't really remember that much. I was in a group for most of it, which that's quite nice because running 42 kilometers by yourself is, uh, is no fun. And yeah, I just had my pace. I had my heart rate in mind. Um, and I just stuck to that. And, you know, I, yeah, it was just one of those really lucky days where it all comes together, you know, because sometimes you can, you can do everything right in training. You can do everything right before the race and you can just be, you know, slightly unwell on race day just get unlucky so yeah I always kind of like my main kind of feeling at the finish line was relief because you just have all that kind of worry beforehand my main worries are not that I'm not fit enough because usually I know that if I followed like my training plan I know that I'm fit enough it's more like all the other unknowns so you know, I, am I going to, you know, have I got an injury that I don't know about yet? And that's going to appear, you know, in the race or, you know, what's the weather going to be like, you know, all those kind of uncertainties. But as you, you know, run through the marathon, all those uncertainties slowly start to resolve themselves. And then when you cross the line, it's like, whew, it's done. And yeah, so I suppose, uh, yeah, I, th- I think I just got I just got a bit lucky in Valencia and also I was very fit, which helps. <laughs> I don't know about lucky. I think you, you create your own luck. I mean, if you think about it, like in the build up, there's a couple of things that could have thrown you off. Like there's a situation you talked about the pens, like you weren't put in the right pen, you weren't in the elite pen. And then secondly, you had that dog that ran across your path at around about 2K in. So that could have derailed things potentially. Yeah, yeah. So I um a friend... Um, couldn't make it anymore so he kindly we um, switched our places through the transfer process and yeah he was in the 253 pen and I did decide because I I knew that Valencia got was really really busy at the start so I did yeah managed to get uh, switched for an elite bib which I'm very glad I did because I think um, yeah it sounds like it it was quite stressful in the pen just behind the elite pen so um I was there it was manic I've never been in such a busier pen for sub three it's crazy <laughs> yeah it's not it's not what you want just before before a race you kind of want to remain very relaxed yeah but I think at Valencia in particular I think it's got a downhill I think the first k is downhill first couple of k so um yeah it always feels really fast at the start and quite frantic I 
yeah, because I I think the elite women behind us, there are often men who are going to go faster. So you're also kind of being overtaken for like the first 5K, which can feel a bit disconcerting being overtaken at the start of a marathon. Yeah, you just kind of have to remain in control of uh, of your pace and not get not get sucked along. Absolutely. So can you talk about that final 10K and, you know, you're on PB pace, but I'm sure it's difficult because a PB is still not a jog in a park. Can you talk about uh, what it was like mentally to to complete that last 10K? Yeah. Um, so I think, um, I think my first kind of feeling like towards the end of the race, I was thinking I wasn't like, I suppose there's the, like there's intellectually knowing that you're fit enough to do that time. And then there's like the reality of it coming together. So like, I think I was fighting not feeling overwhelmed because like, you know, it's emotional when things start to come together and it's working. And then at the same time, there's the anxiety of I've still actually got like at least half an hour of running still to do, which is a lot on marathon legs. So yeah, I think... I can't remember the exact kind of like emotions. I think it it was probably the combination of relief, feeling a bit overwhelmed, and then also a bit worried. I still got still got a way to go, but I also remember. So when I've done Valencia before, I don't think I really, I don't think I looked around at all. I mean, you don't really often look around in a marathon. Like I, pretty sure I've done whole marathon courses and not. I couldn't tell you what I saw I just saw other runners and you know but actually this year I do remember looking around um I think the old town comes in the last 10k so yeah there's lots of nice things to look at lots of nice nice buildings and so I do remember enjoying enjoying it I definitely wasn't I've definitely been more dead at the end of towards the end of marathons like I think often when you're on kind of pb pace you still have a lot of the mode like all the motivation is there you know you're excited that it's going well and that does make it easier whereas when you've blown up you feel well I often you know you feel really negative and you can't be bothered anymore you just want it to be done and you kind of really going into survival mode whereas when it's going well I, I don't you know feel any you know the emotions are completely different um you know it's it's just almost a different event so I think I was yeah feeling pretty positive yeah, and focused, I think. It is a nice feeling when you can kind of um, slightly step out of that intense kind of racing mindset and you can just look around and enjoy it a bit. That doesn't happen very often to me in marathons. Yeah, I, I think when I did London, I don't I don't think I saw, I didn't see anything of London. <laughs> it was just noise, <laughs> I think. It's like a wall of noise, especially down the embankment, to be honest, and... Yeah, it's just, uh, it's incredible. And talking about mindset, I think it's a really interesting point that, you know, you can't be completely like focused on time or whatever during the whole race. Your mind does wander. And you talked a little bit about there, it wandering towards the end. Um, can you talk a little bit about like your mindset in terms of like going into the race? Like what were your thoughts in the preparation for the race? And like, how did that maybe differ to actually being in the race itself? Yeah, I suppose. So before the race, there's a feeling of because there is still so much uncertainty, there are only so many things that you can control. And 
yeah, so I just kind of, I think before the race, I just focused very much on what what I could do to make a difference or what the things that I shouldn't do to make a difference. I can, you know, you can, you can make positive and negative differences before the race. So I think, yeah, it's that feeling of focusing on the things that I could control. And then I think I'm sure lots of people have this feeling that when the gun goes off, you, you feel like you have a, like you're in control and it's finally like moving and it's going and all those like worries and uncertainties are going to be resolved. So I think, yeah, I suppose it's more. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I think I'm, I'm basically worried until the point that I cross the finish line. So from the start of my training block to the point I cross the line, I'm, uh, yeah, always, you know, a little, a little bit anxious about how it's, how it's all going to play out because you know it's never a given. You know, even at you know 35k, 36k into the race, it's, it's never a given. So I think I'm probably just battling kind of that that feeling of what's going to go wrong at what point yeah that's fair as you sit here today and you reflect back on that race performance last year how do you reflect on it because it was such a, a great result for you being on a list number seven and I mean how do you reflect on that now yeah I mean I'm I just really really pleased with it and I think I I think it's probably the first race where I've thought you know, I'm just completely like happy with it. Like I look back and everything is positive. Like I, I just, um, and like, I am proud. I'm proud of that performance. And it's not often, like, I think it's probably, it is the first race where I, I haven't come away with, oh, could I have done that? Or could I have done this? Like it's, I just look back on it and think, yeah, like, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be greedy. You shouldn't ask for, you know, that is what your body could do on the day. And it all came together and it worked and no one can take that time away from you. And it's it's yours to keep for life. So I kind of look back on it just as a really positive moment. And yeah, it's just, it is a strange feeling looking back on races where you really, because like I'm generally relatively hard on myself with my performances and my training. And basically every race I look back and there are negatives, whereas I can't, I can't think of any for Valencia, which, yeah, is just a really nice place to be. I think it's really cool to hear that. And like you're saying, it's nice to have that feeling because anyone that's done running for a period of time knows that there's probably more challenging moments than the positive moments. So it's it's always great to come out and sort of prove yourself right, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, but I also think that it does make me think, I shouldn't be as hard on myself with other races because, you know, it might it might have been that Valencia, you know, didn't come together quite as well, and then you could end up going through your kind of running career never being happy with any of your performances, which just seems it doesn't seem quite right. So, I think in some ways the probably the thing I'm going to take from Valencia is realizing that actually it's really important to look for the positives in every race because it will change how you look, how you look back on it. And so I think, yeah, there's, you don't have to be really negative about a performance if it doesn't go exactly how you wanted. You know, there's there's always going to be something you can take from it. So that's what I'm going to, I mean, it's easy for me to say now because I've just had a really good race. I'm sure I'll feel differently if I blow up in my next marathon. Yeah, I think that's probably my learning from Valencia is to be slightly less hard on myself when it doesn't quite all come together 
do you think that came from Valencia or maybe even like earlier performances? Like, for example, I'm thinking when you look at back at, say, the Commonwealth Games, I know it was a tough build up. And you talked there before about looking for the positives. Do you think that potentially came from that experience of being like, okay, this has happened. We've got to flip it and get into the focus for the actual race itself. With each race, you do you do learn a lot. And I think that from previous races kind of growing up when, you know, when you're a teenager and you, you're really trying to, you know, make it in, in sport, you do put a lot of pressure on yourself. And that does often come out in the wrong ways, at, you know, at the end of a race. And so I'd had enough of those where I'd, didn't have the right attitude at all and I know I probably you end up you know if someone is negative at the finish of a race you do end up impacting everybody around you and um, you know all the people who supported you like you just I suppose it's hard to think like that when you're growing up because you're still figuring you know so much out but now I can look back and I can actually learn from that and think well actually it's really it's really important to take the positives then you'll you'll have positive memories to look back on and, you know, inevitably, when you look back on races, if, even if you were negative at the time, you often think, you know, in a few years later, oh, why was I, why was I so down about that performance? Actually, like if, if someone had told me I was, you know, going to do that, you'd be delighted. So, I, yeah, your attitude is, is really important. And that's not something that I've been great at, great at kind of having the right attitude to performances until kind of in more recent years. It's obviously thank you for sharing that. I think like a lot of amateur runners will probably be encouraged to hear that because I think like they can probably relate to it on you know on their experiences through their running. So it, it's it's great to well probably not great in your sense because you think well I, I wish I could have done it sooner. But it's good to hear and it's so encouraging that other people go through similar experiences. Yeah, I mean every kind of all runners are you know there's nothing special about being you know an elite runner everybody goes through the same things you know yeah that's fair so I want to talk about some of the lessons that you've learned through some of the challenging moments one of such was when you tore your plantar fasciitis I think in the Scottish run yeah so I think that was 2015 or 16 I know there was I had two bad experiences at the great Scottish run one where I did a PB, but then the course was short. So my time was taken away from me, which is always a bit disappointing. And then the other was I tore my plantar fascia at like 19K or something into the half. And it had been brewing. I think I did four races, like four consecutive weekends I raced. And on the last weekend, it was the great Scottish run. And yeah, I've never had an injury before where like something has gone, just like one moment, it's sort of, okay there's a bit of a pain but it's okay and the next moment it was like oh thankfully I had enough I think I had enough adrenaline to get across the line but yeah that was in, it was it was really quite painful and that was I think that was about 16 weeks off running like October to towards the end of January or something like that in the following year so yeah that was a period of adversity and running which I would not want to repeat and what sort of tips did you, how do you get yourself through that injury? Because for a lot of people, I'm sure, same for you, it's when you're not running, it's difficult for your, not just physical, but your mental well-being because it's time outside, time moving through space. Yeah, so I think I, so at the time I was still doing mainly duathlon, so I wasn't actually marathon running at that point. So I had cycling to fall back on, I say fall back on, to just to carry on doing. So I think... 
for me, it was making sure that at least every day I did some form of cross training. At the time, I was doing a placement in London for university. So I had, it was, I think I, so I tore my plantar fascia on a, the Sunday and then my placement started in London the next day. So I kind of had lots of other stuff going on to keep me occupied whilst I had this injury. But yeah, traveling into London from Cambridge with this very painful foot was not not particularly fun. But I think, um, yeah, in terms of dealing, dealing with a setback, um, like that where you can't run it's yeah it's making sure you you make time to do some cross training if that's the right thing you know there are some injuries where actually you do really need to take the time the time completely off so I think there's like accepting it so that was definitely a big thing once I knew it was like right no running for and at the time it was unknown so I didn't know how long it was going to take I suppose all injuries are it's unknown so that's part of the battle and there was no, I think the issue I had was there was no indication of how long at all. It was just like, this is not good. You need to wait for it to heal. So I think it was accepting the fact that that was the case, that I was injured and that I shouldn't try to run because yeah, that it was just not going to happen. And then once I'd accepted it, it was working out what can I do and just making time every day to to do those bits of exercises that were kind of safe for me to do whilst it was healing and then yeah I had my placement to focus on and yeah so I I think it just it came down to just a lot of a lot of patience at the same time as you know making sure you do do some exercise you know even if that's you know if you can go out for a walk or you know just be active but then also I think I think I met up with a lot of friends and just you know just just socialized because I think often with like when you're in the flow of training you don't always have the time to do those things so it's taking advantage of having the time and doing those things that you can't always do when you're in full training yeah I think there's not really one size fits all with the um when you're injured it's just it's universally tough yeah but I think with running it's it really puts you puts you through it and but we choose to do it and I think that's the important thing it's very much a choice and you know what you're entering into and you know some ways that was that's what makes the highs so high is that you know a couple of months ago you might have um you know not been able to run properly or yeah so I think it it's just part of it and yeah, I think if you've never been if you've never been injured, you're very, very lucky. We've spoken about your last marathon, Valencia. Can you talk a little bit about any races coming up that you're excited about or anything in the pipeline? I suppose at this point, I haven't really chosen any races at this point. I'll start kind of putting that together, obviously not doing not doing London. Yeah, I think after after Valencia, it's after you do kind of a big race, uh, I kind of knew I needed to take some time off to recover before getting back into another block. Like my Valencia block was just, you know, I really, really pushed myself. So I took a few weeks off and I think, yeah, I will, I will plan some races. It's just, yeah, nothing in the pipeline at the moment. I think that's really encouraging to hear, I think, because sometimes, especially for amateur runners uh, listening, like they have a bad race or have a good race and it's like next race or I'm t- training for 
a 5k or I'm training for 10k to get speed and it's always like something else something new always more 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 it's quite refreshing to hear like actually you know I needed to take a step back and it's not because of anything negative you actually had an amazing result it's like like I know I need what I needed to do to get there I need a break from that that's really refreshing to hear yeah I think yeah I've definitely suffered in the past from trying to like start running properly like too soon after a marathon you know obviously if you've done a marathon and you haven't like you know gone like as hard as you possibly could and it's more was more kind of a fun marathon I don't know if there's such a thing but is there um, such a thing (laughs) (laughs) I don't know but if you have done that kind of marathon maybe you can bounce back a bit quicker but yeah I've definitely fallen into the trap of you know being really enthusiastic and excited after a race which and wanted to kind of take advantage of that but actually I've learned you only get what I kind of feel like I only have so many PB marathons in me I kind of want to use them wisely so whilst it would have been really nice to be on the London marathon start line like I definitely want to do London again in the future like this year is just not you know the timing just doesn't doesn't quite fit so yeah I'm very excited to do another marathon. Just I'll put some I'll put some plans together soon. So in Valencia, you were wearing sore and you're working with sore. Can you talk a little bit about being a part of the race team and just working with the brand? Yeah, so I started working with sore in October. So just at the start of my Valencia build up, it was great to have this, you know, really nice kit at the start of a build up. Definitely motivates you to get out running if you get to wear um you know very high performing kit yeah I joined Saw in October and yeah so the women's race team yeah it's great to be kind of part of a group of female runners because yeah marathon running can be quite a lonely sport so to be part of a team you know and all wearing the same kit it does feel special for me like I love the the Saw race vest I think it does the job so well to be honest and I can see why so many other people love it as well yeah, it's so light. I didn't, I, I didn't quite realise. So I was, you know, don't know quite what to expect until until it arrives in the post. And um, it was just so, it's just so light. Like, and the shorts as well. I was thinking, oh, this is perfect. You, know, you don't want to be carrying around anything extra in the marathon. As an elite female runner, can you talk a little bit about women's British marathon running? Uh, what are you excited about, and what are your hopes for the future? Yeah, so I think with marathon running in the UK at the moment, at least from the women's side, is I think it feels really, really strong. You know, there are so many, you know, going for fast times and running fast times. And I suppose like success breeds success. So I think it's just really exciting to be competing at the same time as, you know, so many other people who are also doing well. And I think, yeah, I I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, at the moment, I can't really see it slowing down I think there are more and more people who want to get into the marathon and and have a go so yeah I'm excited to see where it goes excited to see what happens in London yeah I I hope it doesn't slow down because yeah I definitely I remember growing up and watching the marathon at the Olympics and following the sport and it is really inspirational and maybe yeah I'd like to think that at least the British women's marathon scene is inspiring, you know, up and coming athletes to maybe have a go in the future. 
And guess in terms of running or anything like that, can you talk about who inspires you as a runner? I guess it could be past or present. Oh gosh. Okay. So my dad inspires me as a runner. When we were growing up, he used to take us to all the various sports clubs and he used to sit in the car. And then he realized actually he wanted to have a go as well. So he used to cut running and he got, I think he started, I think he did a 3.30 as his first marathon in his mid 40s. And then the age of 49, he did a 2.45 marathon with no super shoes about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. And I thought, wow, like dad is not, you know, you wouldn't think, oh, he's a runner. So that was, yeah really inspirational and kind of yeah made me want to have a go maybe out of competitiveness and yeah also inspiration that's awesome to wanted to see like you saying him doing it going from 330 down to sub 245 and you mentioned the shoes what shoes was he wearing do you remember he was in i think he was in asics hyperspeeds okay He's, yeah that that those are his shoes yeah okay i thought you were gonna say like crocs because i remember seeing that guy doing that record in crocs just speeding down the road it's like wow <laughs> that would be really inspirational <laughs> maybe birkenstocks maybe <laughs> who knows <laughs> obviously i'm casting aspersions about your dad wearing sandals and i don't know your dad i'm sure if he loves sandals it's a good thing okay i'm digging myself into a hole here anyhow <laughs> what's one of the best pieces of advice that you've been given in your running career there's a lot of advice to call on and also it's dif- difficult sometimes to pinpoint where you learn certain things because you kind of absorb everything around you so I think there was there's this concept of attacking the uphills and attacking the downhills I quite I've definitely used that as a sort of you know don't don't let up just because it's you know it feels a bit easier don't you know carry on pushing but then yeah, I don't really know specifically where I heard it from, but I think there's that idea of like being really patient with your, when you're building up your training, you know, you can't like, you can't make any big jumps. Like there's no short, there really is no shortcut. And like that piece of advice is kind of the best strategy for avoiding injury is accepting that there are no shortcuts Like you have to just put the work in slowly slowly gradually gradually yeah that's a great bit of advice georgie it's been a pleasure talking to you good luck for the rest of the year thank you for being a guest on the runner's life podcast thank you so much for having me i've really enjoyed speaking thank you for listening to this episode of a runner's life podcast if you've enjoyed this conversation please do subscribe to be notified of new episodes if something resonates with you please let me know and share online also you could do me a massive favor by leaving your review on the podcast platform which you selected as it helps the podcast grow your support helps make this podcast possible if you've got any questions please do get in touch with me on my instagram page at marcus underscore runs your time is valuable thank you again for sharing your time with me